the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. Hello everybody, this is Pastor Mickey. It's good to be with you today on the podcast. Today we're going to be addressing to me what is a common theme to most people's life. In this series called A Summer to Live, we've been talking about what would it be to, if we only had one summer, we only had one summer to live, would we live life differently? What does it mean to be contagious? And what are the things that God's called us to? I believe that sometimes in the aspect of trying to have life, and as scripture says, life more abundantly, uh, we just find ourselves missing the abundant side. We may have life, but boy, it doesn't seem very abundant. And today I want to address out of God's word to me one major factor that I think contributes to those feelings and that lacking in life. And so I hope you enjoyed today's message. I simply entitled it, What Ifs? Because what I want to do today is, is after going through everything we've went through for this whole summer and seeing all the things that God has done as we're getting ready to go into the fall, the simple question is, well, Mickey, what normally keeps people from living? Like everything that we've talked about, well, what's the X factor? What normally keeps people like this roadblock? And I, and I think I've narrowed it down to, to one simple thing. Now, I'm not saying this is the only thing, but I think it kind of sums up most of the things. And I think the biggest thing that keeps people from living is what ifs. You ever been there? Like you, you kind of feel drawn, going to do something or feel led to do something and you start going, well, what if? Well, what if this happens? And what if this happens? And what if this happens? And what if this? And I think when it comes to what ifs, there's basically two different types of what ifs in our lives. There's what ifs that are based on fear and there's what ifs that are based on faith. I have a garden. Every year I talk to Amy and here's what our concept is. How much can we plant? How big's the garden? And how can we fit everything that we possibly want to in that garden? Because we know that if we plant the seed, then the seed produces the fruit. And we've got faith, right? We're like, like let's do it. Like here recently, I, I pulled up some plants and I retilled the garden. Why? A few weeks ago, because I planted some pumpkins. Why? Because we're going to be just a few weeks away and they should be ready about the middle of October, right? And what type of pumpkins did you plant? They called jack-o'-lanterns. Maybe you've heard about them, all right? And that's the brand. But it's planting. And you said, how many pumpkins did you plant? As many as I could fit in that spot. Why? Because I have faith that this thing's going to produce. But there's another type of, of what-ifs, right? But what if they don't? What if I spend all that time? In fact, it reminds me of a story. It was basically in the beginning of the 1940s. And there was a gentleman, his name was Jeremiah Clary. And he literally was in the point where all of a sudden, here comes this major storm. And so he's grabbing rags and he's grabbing towels and they're wetting them and they're putting them at the cracks of the door, putting them at the cracks of the window, putting them in everything they can. Because during that time, there was this amazing thing coming on called dust storms. 
And if you didn't block all the different cracks in your house, then by the time the dust storm came through in the early 40s, it would literally cover everything in your house. Well, the reason why this took place is because early in the 1920s, when the Great Depression hit, a lot of people went west looking for this amazing thing called wheat, these fields of gold. And they found this fertile, fertile soil in the Midwest. And so all of a sudden, all of these people that went west because of the Great Depression, and they're getting a plot of land, and they're, they're doing this agriculture, they're plowing up acres and acres upon acres upon acres upon acres of the amazing prairie land. Well, that seemed really great, and everything was producing great until about the early 30s. Because in the early 30s, all of a sudden, a drought hit for 10 years. And all of a sudden, what was fertile grass was all burned up. And all of a sudden, it was this amazing concept of, of producing crops and this amazing topsoil. All of a sudden, these gentle winds came through, and what used to be this amazing prairie land, prairie land was now reported as simply known as the Dust Bowl. And that name stuck. They say during that 10 years span, a little over 850 million tons of topsoil was being moved per year. It devastated the landscape. Jeremiah in the 20s never wondered what to do with his seed. He was a farmer and he knew every year he was gonna take his seed, he was gonna plow his fields, and he was gonna plant his crops. But in the early 40s, Jeremiah Clary was sitting on a bag of wheat his seed, in his barn, praying because he knew that if he planted it this time and the same thing happened that had happened for the previous many, many years, he would be completely broke. He had nothing left. He was at a point where he found himself literally praying, God, what do you want me to do? He was sitting on a huge amount of seed. Now, here's what's funny, okay? When it comes to seed, seed has one purpose, right? You plant it and it produces. Most farmers never think about losing seed. Why? Because farmers don't lose seed. They gain crops. You take the seed and it becomes crops, it becomes fruitful. But because of what had happened in his life, the what ifs went from faith of, hey, let's move west, we will plant and look what happens, to all of a sudden, fear. And what if we plant and it doesn't happen? What if we plant and all of a sudden it gets blown away? See, the reason why Jeremiah was struggling with this is because while this storm was coming through, he knew that above his house was many, many pounds of turkey red seed that he had just planted that had gotten blown away. And he was in a dilemma. He's in a dilemma of what am I going to do? Am I gonna hold on to this seed or am I gonna try one more time? And the scriptures will tell us very simply, like, well, how do we handle that, right? 
when it comes to life, when it comes to living, how do we handle the what ifs? How do we handle the what ifs when it comes to our faith? And how does it handle the what ifs when it comes to fear? Most of us grow up and we have faith and we just like, yes, let's go. I have a, a funny story to me, not so funny story to my oldest son that we were talking about the other day. Because when he was young, whatever daddy said, he's like, woohoo, yeah, daddy, I, you, let's go. And so we were at Disney World. And I was like, son, do you want to ride a roller coaster? He's like, yes, sir, I do want to ride a roller coaster. And me being the amazing dad that I am, said, well, let's go ride a roller coaster. And the one that was open and closest to us was this one known as the Tower of Terror. You already know what's gonna happen, don't you? We got in the line, he's not tall enough. And he's like, but I wanna ride it. And I'm like, well, we gonna ride this thing then. And they come up and he's like, oh, and I was like, just let him ride. He's so close, let him ride. And all of them knowing the ride, they're like, look, if dude, if dude wants to ride it, like let him ride, like who cares? We got on that Tower of Terror, and basically, here's what it does. It drives around for about five minutes, just like, ha, 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 and next thing you know, the door's open, and you realize you're on the top of the world. I don't know how high it is, but I'm telling you, I saw an angel fly by. <laughs> and then, all of a sudden, while you're sitting there going, what? This is a cute little view of the whole state of Florida. It just drops, which is not a big deal. But then before you land, it stops and starts shooting you right back up. You say, how many times? About 133. <laughs> Maybe was five, felt like 133. From that moment, Easton's life was like, dad, man, whatever, well, yes, sir, well, let's go. And after that experience, when I said, hey, let's go ride this, he'd be like, I ain't riding that with you. And I'm like, why are you not riding? He's like, I... see, all of a sudden, his faith, and then something he experienced with fear, all of a sudden, he's like, I don't, I don't know. So he'd ask his mom, hey, you think I should ride this with dad? Which she don't ride nothing. Like, she doesn't even get on It's a Small World at Disney. You know, she's like, that boat could sink, you know? And it's funny because we laugh about it, but that's how we are in our life, right? When we're young, because we don't have these experiences, all the what ifs we're talking about is like, what do you wanna be when you grow up? I wanna be a basketball player. Your dad's five foot five. Your mom's five one. None of them have ever played athletics but the kid's going, I'm gonna be a basketball player. And what do we say? You can be anything that your heart desires, which is a lie. <laughs> I told somebody last week, I was like, I would love just to one time start out at the free throw line and just windmill dunk one. I just need to do it once. I ain't gotta do it a lot, just once. They said, well, you could do it with a trampoline. It's like, no, you still gotta come down. But because of life's experiences, all of a sudden what starts out is this amazing faith and we like the what ifs is we're like, what if we can? What if we do? What if this happens? What if it's amazing? What, like all of them are positive. And then all of a sudden life's experiences start happening. We, we start all the what ifs of like, what if this doesn't work out? 
what if this is not what God wants? What if I miss it? What if it ends up like the last situation? And I believe the what ifs keep us from living. In fact, God's word gives us the answer to faith-driven what ifs. If you turn to Matthew 33, I'm gonna read the ESV first, and then I'm gonna show you guys the NLT. But it says this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The NLT, I love the way it puts it. He said, he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Your primary concern. See, the aspect of, of what ifs can be crippling or they can be inspiring. And this is saying, he will give you these things. Well, it's like, well, what are these things? You hear me say all the time, whenever you see a these things or a therefore, you need to back up and see what are these things and what is the therefore? What he's talking about is he says, do not be anxious in nothing. And then he describes what you should eat, what you should drink, what you should wear. He starts describing all of the different needs of humans. And he says, you know what? If I take care of the, the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, how much more do you matter to your heavenly father? And how much more will I not take care of you? And he's trying to get people to understand that, listen, if you will have faith and seek Christ first, seek the kingdom first, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he says, then all these other things will be added. But do you know there's not too many times that I enter the years, the months, the days, the weeks, and I don't get consumed by everything else in the what ifs. Especially after we went through this amazing thing called 2020, right? Where all of a sudden the world just shut down. And COVID wasn't too much different to what Mr. Clary was dealing with in the dust storms. See, these dust storms were more than just like, oh, a little, little wind and a little bit. It would strip everything. It would kill everything. At the end of some of these dust storms, you would see piles and piles of topsoil and dirt mound up on fence posts, dead livestock, and the different wheat or different things would just be completely stripped. It was devastating. And because of the devastation that he had seen, all of a sudden he's sitting in a barn and no longer going, woohoo, man, let me plant this seed because it's gonna be awesome and look at all these fields. He's literally sitting in his barn and fear has gripped him and he's literally going, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Because what if this doesn't make it? I really truly believe that that is the situation that we are sitting in in 2023. When it comes to having a life and living life, the question is, which what ifs are gonna guide you? Are you gonna be pushed and driven by faith or are we gonna be pushed and driven by fear? 
And I believe all of us in this room, anybody that's probably 11 years old and older, you've had situations that make you have to push back the fear of, of different situations and the what ifs. My question for you today is which what ifs do you find yourself leaning more towards? As we're ending a summer to live, my question is, do you find yourself having more faith and trusting Christ and saying, boy, but what if something great's coming? And I'm gonna pursue Christ. And I'm gonna make him first because he's gonna provide for my needs. Or do you find yourself constantly going, but, but what if something bad happens? What if COVID comes back? It's like, what's gonna happen? Well, let me turn to you to an amazing scripture that I wanna share with you. Because I truly believe, and it's, and it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter nine. And then we're gonna start in verse six. But I want you to know that, that what I want you to catch is that in life, there's this little bit of a cycle and we call it our vision. See, I believe that, that if you will step out of the what ifs built by fear and get into the what ifs built by your faith, then you're gonna start to pursue God. And we say it this way, that you're gonna know God. And as you know God and know him more, you're gonna find freedom. What are you finding freedom from? You're finding freedom from the fears. You're gonna start experiencing him in ways that all of a sudden you're not gonna doubt like you used to doubt. You're gonna experience God in a ways that you're gonna realize that some of the situations in your life were more of a testing and a perfection of your faith, not a holding you back and pulling you backwards to your faith. And then there's gonna be this concept that we want you to discover your purpose, why? Because we realize that, and it's actually in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter one, verses 17 and 18, where it says that we want you to know the hope to which he's called you. In other words, your purpose is linked to your hope. And the more you know God, and the more you find freedom from the fears, and the more you start doing what he's called you to do, you're gonna find out where the hope comes from. But then where it gets really good, is then you start making a difference. And once you experience the concept of making a difference, it's like a life cycle. You want, you want to know God more because you're seeing the difference that's being made. And because the difference being made, you're like, oh, Lord, I, I want to know you more. I want to do more for you. I want to build your kingdom. I want to do the things you're calling me to. I want to help other people find freedom. I want to help other people know what they're called to. I want other people to have hope. And, I, and now it's just a cycle, right? We call it discipleship. We call it a life and a life more abundantly. But most people never get to that point. Why? Because they're driven by what ifs that are based on fear. Well, what if I try this and they don't listen? Moses, right? What if they don't believe me that it's you that sent me? What if they don't understand what I say? What if I don't have the ability to do it? Can you not just get somebody else? And God's saying, but, but what if you're obedient? Well, here's what I want you to catch. If we're gonna overcome that, I think one of the things that we gotta ask is when it comes to our life, at the end of life, how big of a difference do you wanna make? And here's what it says in chapter nine, verse six. It says, the point is this. Some translations will say, remember this. But this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And he says, the point is this, 
Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Let me keep reading. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful or joyful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you so that having all sufficiency in all the things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, verse nine, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. If you have a Bible, underline these words to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. See, the, the first thing we have to realize is the question we have to ask when we're trying to live this life is we have to ask the question, at the end of this life, how much fruit do we want produced in our life? It goes back to what I was saying about the garden. There's never a time that Amy and I sit down and we look at the garden and we say, you know what? We, we've got more, we got more soil. Let's just not worry about it, not plant anything over there. We've got enough. No, Amy and I are like, Let, let's, let's plant everything we can. Like if I'm one of those, if we can plant five tomato plants, let's plant five. If we can plant 25 tomato plants, well, by golly, let's plant 25. What are you gonna do with all those tomatoes? I don't know, we'll give them away. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll laugh, we'll cut up. We will figure out something. We'll have more tomato pie than anybody's ever needed to eat in their whole life. We'll have tomato sandwiches. We'll have tomato on every sandwich we make. We'll just give tomatoes to people. I may just turn around and just get salt and pepper and just eat one like it's an apple. I don't know what I'm gonna do with them. I may turn around and just take them and throw them over and feed the deer. I don't know, but if we've got the room, why not plant it? Oh, okay, 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 here. That, that's how many tomato plants we can put in this spot. Okay, well, how many cucumbers do you want? Well, how many cucumbers can I have? Well, I, I, we're going to have a bunch. And then here we go again, right? Well, what are you going to do with all those cucumbers? I don't know. We may pickle some. We may eat some. I may just take some down to Caring Place and just set up a truck and say, hey, anybody need any cucumbers and tomatoes? I've got a bunch. Anybody want any of this stuff? I've got more than I need. But if I have room, why would I not plant? Going back to my pumpkin patch, you say, how many pumpkins did you plant? As many as I could fit. You say, what are you going to do with all those pumpkins? Well, I will tell you that at a later date. But I got some plans in my head. And it's like, well, well, why did you plant nine pumpkin plants? Well, I can answer that because I didn't have room for 10. If I had room for 10, I'd have planted 10. If I had a big enough, if I could have planted 20, we'd have planted 20. Why? Because here's the question. How much fruit do I want? And to me, I want all the fruit that I can get. If you remember last week, you'll have to go back to the message, but I talked about joy. And we talked about he is the vine and we are the branches. And that we will bear much fruit. And he even says that he will make our joy complete and our joy will be full. And it's linked to the amount of fruit that's in our life. 
Do you know why some people are struggling in life and they seem miserable and frustrated and upset? The reason being is because they ain't got no fruit. Do you know when I leave my garden and I got just literally baskets full of stuff, I'm just like, man, I don't even know what I'm gonna do with all this stuff. Compared to when I go over there and be like, man, there ain't nothing. And they're like, why did I do all this work? Can I read you a scripture? The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountiful will also reap bountiful. I got a real big question for you today. When it comes to the what ifs, whether it's based on fear, whether it's based on faith, when it comes to your life and you wanna live a life that makes a difference, listen, it's really one simple question. How much fruit do you want in your life? If you don't really care, then you know what? Just like Jeremiah Clary sitting on that seed, don't plant it. Because you know what? The law of the harvest is simply this. You will reap what you sow. Scripture talks about a lot of different things. Reap the whirlwind and talks about what you'll get. But you reap the attributes of God and it talks about what you'll get. Like life really isn't that hard, but what makes us get so tough is the fact that we are trying to reap stuff that we haven't sown. Now, let's get to the uncomfortable part that I've been dreading for the last week and about to throw up. Do you know where this fits especially? It's the one place that I struggle the most that I never talked to you about, but I said one day I'm gonna have to talk about it because why? Because it's in God's word and it's holding majority of you back. In fact, I would tell you that it's probably the number one area in which most people do not experience life because it's stressful, it's a struggle, and they don't know how to handle it. It's not because they don't know how to handle it, it's because they're trying to do it by themselves. And there's actually a very biblical concept that will teach you that if you will do these things, then you won't have to worry about this in your life. You don't have to be in a what if of fear, you can actually be in a what if of faith and it will multiply. You know what that is? Your finances. Let's pray. Lord, no, like, who about threw up saying that? And listen to me, I ain't talking about tithing today. I'm talking about sowing seed. I'm talking about how much do you wanna reap? Like the bottom line is God has given you seed. And depending on how you sow it will dictate the type of harvest that you get back in your life. Now, it's hard for us to talk about this. It's hard for me to talk about this. You know why? Because of our previous experiences. We've had some jack wagon get on the TV saying, send me $10 and I'll send you this prayer cloth and it'll change your life. And guess what? It don't happen like that. And we've got these experiences that create fear. It's me taking East into the Tower of Terror. And all of a sudden, the next time, I'm like, look, we're just going to get on the little teacups. And he's like, I ain't getting on nothing with you. Because the last time I got on something and I dropped out of the bottom of heaven and stopped in the pit of hell. I'm never getting on anything with you again. And he got over that last week. We went to Lake Winnie. It was so good. I was proud of him. No, I'm kidding. But it took a while, right? And so as soon as I start talking about finances, people go, oh, here we go. Now we're just like every other church. Listen to me, we're not. Because you're gonna listen, because it's about God's word. 
I'm not talking about this because of something we want from you. I'm talking about this because of something that God wants for you. And because God wants something for you, you know what, as a pastor I want? I want the same thing God wants for you. And so three simple principles that I want you to catch and then I'm gonna be done. The first one, the law of the harvest is not only good in all aspects of your life, but it's also good in your finances as well. When you sow sparingly, you're gonna reap sparingly. And when you sow bountiful, you're gonna reap the bounty. Some people say, well, well, I don't know how much should I give? Or you're talking about 10%, you're talking about a certain amount, you're talking about, we'll address that at the end. But I want you to know that when I go to my garden, you know what I think about? I think about, Lord, I, I wanna plant the, I have an amazing family that allows us to have a garden on their property. And every year they're like, how big do you want this garden? I'm like, you better be quest- you, you better be careful of the question you ask. Like we will knock down the house and start plowing everything. You know, I'm like, how big of a garden can we have? Why? Because I know the law of the harvest. As much seed as I plant, I reap as much as I'm willing to put into it. If I put down three tomato plants, you know what I end up with? Three tomato plants. And they could be amazing, but if I put down 25, guess what? We got canned tomatoes, we got salsa, we got spaghetti sauce, we got tomato soup, we got all kinds of tomatoes. But I think we take our our aspect of our finances and immediately because of our previous experiences, we start saying, but pastor, what, what if something happens? Like a couple of years ago, do you not remember it? Like the world shut down and everything was gone and and everybody was struggling. What if that happens again? In which I remember scripture where he says, do not be anxious about tomorrow for today has enough trouble of its own. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. You know, the reality is if something like that happens again, you know what? We're all gonna lose a lot. But the things that we put into the kingdom of God will never be lost. I know some people that are, you know, well, what, what if something like this happens? Or, or what if the grid shuts down? Or what if the world ends? Or what, listen, if all that stuff happens, I promise, we, we, we all gonna be having a lot of conversations. Well, I wanna get prepared for that. I don't. I wanna make sure that everybody knows Jesus. I wanna make sure that everybody's heard the word. Because listen, if everything shuts down, it don't matter how much food I got built up or how much water I got built up or how much generators or all the things that are ready for my family, if all Hades breaks loose, I promise the thing we're gonna be consumed about the most is where are you at with Jesus and where's your hope found? But it's just a matter of how do you do that? The second thing, and I wanna make sure I stick to my notes because I don't wanna chase any rabbits today. The second thing that I would tell you is that financially given aligns your life with God's agenda. If you will notice in verse nine, he says, as it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given you given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. That's actually taken out of the Old Testament. The reason why Paul would be saying this to the church of Corinth is he's reminding them of what was written in the Old Testament, letting them know that when you do kingdom work, you're not only aligning 
with what God's called you to, but you're aligning with God's purposes. In other words, how do we solve some of these social issues in our society? It's really simple. We align with God first. Like the reason why there's so many nonprofits, and I think they're amazing, but it's because the church stopped doing what the church was called to do. And if the church did what it was called to do, you would never have to worry about all these other things. You say, well, Mickey, how do you address that? I don't think we start putting out nonprofits and saying we're gonna do it ourselves. We're gonna, as a church, go support these nonprofits because they took the reins and they're based on God's word and we're gonna do the things God's called us to do. But you need to know that a part of getting correct in your finances is the fact that he will also allow you to align with his purpose and what he wants to do to carry out his mission. He wants to feed the poor. He wants to take care of the widows and the orphans. He wants that all may be saved. And here's what's amazing to me. And God could do all of that without any of us. But he says, you know what, but I I want you to join with me. You know, I'm God and I could do it all, but I wanna give you an opportunity to join with me in building my kingdom. And that's kind of amazing to me that the creator of this world who could do everything literally, he spoke and the world came into existence. He bankrupt heaven and came in the form of a baby in the form of his son and died on a cross that we all may have life and have life more abundantly. That same God says, look, even though I could do everything by myself, I love you so much that I wanna give you a part of this. Won't you join with me? In fact, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to give you abilities and opportunities and orchestrate your life to give you 100% of the things that you need. Now, as I'm providing for you financially, the 100%, some people like to do it a percentage. Some people will do a certain amount. I I like the percentage because it helps me to stay on track. He says, now, as I give you the 100%, what I want you to do, I want you to align with my kingdom and I want your treasure to be where your heart is. And out of your heart, your mouth speak. And so in order for you to speak about godly things and be on godly things, I I want you to to give me 10% back. Like, I'll be honest with you. If I went to my kids right now and I said, hey, listen, I'm gonna pay you for doing what you're supposed to do. And I'm gonna give you $10 every week. But every week I'm gonna give you, I I, I want you to give me a dollar back. But just know as you keep doing stuff, I wanna grow that. And as long as I keep doing what you are called to do, as long as you keep doing what you're called to do, I'm gonna keep blessing you as long as you're obedient and doing what I've called you to do and giving back to let me know that you know where it's coming from. So if it's 10, you give me a dollar. If it's 100, you give me $10. If it's 1,000, you give me 100. I don't know if any of my kids say, you know what, Dad, I, I don't want that $1,000 because, man, I, whew, I don't want to give you 100. Just keep the 900 because that'd be easier than me having to give up 100. but yet that's what we do on a regular basis when it comes to our finances. And then we wonder why our finances have got us so enthralled and trapped and struggling in life. 
In fact, I'll, I'll take you to the next part and then I'm gonna be done. It's found in two different verses. He actually, this is so important to what God wants for your life that he repeats it. The first one is in verse 11. I'll start in verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increasing the harvest of your righteousness. So that gives you an idea of why you're getting it. And then listen to what he says. You will be enriched in every way. Not just some ways, not just a few ways. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. If you back up to verse eight, he says the same thing. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. The concept is simply this, the third principle. The law of the harvest does meet in our finances. Financially being, doing what God's called us to do allows us to align with God's plan. And then the third one is, guess what? Good business creates repeat business. I go to a restaurant, I have a good experience, I have good food, have good service. I, next day we're going out of staff. Hey, where do you wanna go? Hey, what do you think about going over here to so-and-so? I had a pretty good experience. I go to a place, terrible service, terrible food, doesn't treat me, treat me very good. I'm like, you know what? Hey, I, I don't know where you wanna go, but I'm not going there. You know, I believe God's gracious, but I believe God says, you know what? If, if you will do these things, then I will pour out your needs. I will meet your needs. In fact, if you wanna define wealth, wealth is defined this way in my book, having everything you need when you need it. That's how I define wealth. Having everything you need when you need it. But I believe that God pours out his blessings and depending on how we use it, he goes, oh, jeez. And I wanna, I would love to pour out some more on you, but you're not doing what I called you to do. So you say, well, Mickey, that, that seems a little bit different. It makes sense because when we talk about a summer to live, the one thing that holds most people back in life is finances. And so you probably have the question, right? So where do I start? And here's where he says, now get out a pledge card and fill. Nope, not doing pledge cards. I just want you to hear God's word. Can I read you a scripture? Here's what it says. It's verse seven. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. He doesn't give a percentage. He doesn't tell you a certain amount. He says each one must give as he has decided in his heart. And then he gives you a parameter. He says, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful or joyful giver. You know, last week I talked about areas that we should celebrate and we should have joy. We talked about tasks. We talked about people on their journey. We even talked about when we go through trials. Well, I left one off because I knew what was coming. And you know what? And we should learn to be joyful in our generosity. 
And so I will tell you, I have been struggling. I've put out prayer requests to just about everybody because this is not an area that I like to talk about. Why? Because I love you and I want to talk about Jesus. Talk about Like everybody has so many concepts. So I sent out a text to one guy who said, hey, this is your weekly reminder that I'm praying for you because he literally prays every week. And I sent him back. I was like, dude, please be praying because I've got a subject matter I don't want to talk about. I actually thought I would never talk about it, but God's been really dealing with me because it's not really about what I want to do. It's not about my own what ifs. It's about overcoming those fears and loving the people enough to give them God's word. In which he responded, he was like, okay, I'm intrigued. What's the subject matter? And I said, generosity. And here's what his response. Ah, honor and generosity are the economy of heaven. If we honor and are generous, God can't ignore it. And so here's all I wanna ask you. Because I love you, Will you take time and in your own heart decide what God's calling you to do? That's all I want to tell you. You say, Mickey, is there a certain amount? Well, I, I could spend some time cross-referencing and, and tell you that, that yes, the, the 10%, the tithe. But listen, that's not what today's about. It's not about all that. It's about, it's about taking a step. And here's what I will promise you because of God's word, not because of me. If you will take a step, I promise you, not that you're not gonna have financial hardships sometimes, we call them trials. Not that you're not gonna have some struggles sometimes because that's a part of it. It's like you get put in the wine press and it's like, that's where you're trying to, but I will promise you this. In the next few months, you will literally go, I just, that little knucklehead, why did he wait so long before he said something? You mean I could have relieved all this financial pressure at my house and that God, when I got God, in, in, when I got God involved in my finances, everything changed. Why didn't somebody love me enough to tell me that? I'm not telling you that because we're trying to build a building. I'm not telling you that because we're trying to get something. I'm not, listen, everything is going great. We're gonna have a meeting coming up. I wanna let you know how great things are going. You guys, because of your generosity, we are completely debt-free. All of our bills are paid and we got $100,000 in the bank. Like things are good. We've got an emergency fund. If COVID hits, everybody's stressing and we're like, we got... Well, you got, we got money over here. We're fine. Why? Because we've done what God's called us to do with financial principles. We, as a church, put 10% to go back into the community as a tithe. And we're not going to mess with that. Why? Because it's a biblical principle. And it changes your finances. And as a church, we are extremely wealthy. Why? Because we have everything we need when we need it. There's never been a time that we needed something and we didn't have it. And to me, that defines wealth. And I want you to experience that same freedom so that you don't live in the what ifs of fear, but you live in the what ifs of faith. You say, well, Mickey, where do we go from here? Well, I, I, I'll tell you, I've realized that I probably could do a whole series because there's so much good stuff in God's word, but I ain't gonna do that. 
but I am gonna be obedient to what God's called me to do, why? And, and I'm gonna read what I wrote in my notes. I don't believe most people realize the gravity of the importance of being faith-driven in their generosity. It's a game changer to living life with joy. So much so that I'm going to plant the seed that God's given me in his word to get us over our fears so that we all can reap the harvest. You know, Jeremiah Clay was sitting on that bag of seed and all the fear had gripped him. And he had a choice. Do I plant it and lose everything? Or do I hold on to when this passes? Well, six months after that, Jeremiah Clay is sitting on his front porch. He's overlooking miles of perfect golden wheat. He jumped, he jumped on his little massy tractor and started harvesting it, and he was knowing there was a constant little, little rumor going around the town. There was a constant conversation by all the other farmers, and it was simply this. If we would have known this was the year that the storms were gonna end and the harvest was gonna be plentiful, we wish we'd have planted too. In fact, if you go to Harper County in the Midwest and pull up the books, to this day, the largest harvest in the history of wheat goes to a gentleman by the name of Jeremiah Clary. And God took his fear-driven life and he restored him with a faith-driven life. Why? Because farmers don't lose seed. They gain crops. And listen, as believers and Christians, we don't lose anything when we build his kingdom. We gain eternal rewards. Well, let me take a moment and thank you once again for joining us for the podcast. My challenge for each and every one of us is simply this. When it comes time to sow, may I encourage you to sow as much as you can. No matter what it is, time, talent, treasure, let's be kingdom-minded and watch how God brings the harvest. I hope you have a great day. And if you'd like more information about Crossroads Community Church, or if you'd like to support this podcast, you can go to crossroadscommunitychurch.com and simply click on the give button. I hope you have a wonderful day. And if you're ever in the Cleveland area, we would love to meet you in person. I personally would love to meet you and shake your hand. Hope to see you soon. If not, I will see you on the next podcast.